Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Happy Black History Month, everyone. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution. Stay tuned as we analyze Canadian news and Black issues on a weekly basis. And if you like what you hear, remember to subscribe. On this week's episode, we are joined by Councillor Ariel Kayabaga as we discuss some of the top headlines from the week of January 31st, including... The Proud Boys and others being added to Canada's terror watch list. Toronto City Council stepping up to support the Black community. GoFundMe being used to pay for basic necessities. Robert Small getting his flowers. Stacey Abrams possibly getting a Nobel Peace Prize. And plenty more. So last month, we told you that for Black History Month, we'd be sitting down with four Black Canadian politicians who are having an enormous impact while pushing for equity, diversity, and inclusion in Ontario. This week, we're excited to have Ariel Kayabaga, City Councillor from the City of London, located in southwestern Ontario. Ariel, welcome. Thank you. I'm going to start by walking through your receipts. This is more than a bio. This is a specific recollection of the work you've done around poverty, women, and Black folks in London, and frankly, across the country. Ariel is an active public speaker, having worked with the London Black History Committee and Regional HIV AIDS Connection. She has served on and is a member of various local boards, including the Urban League of London, the, I'm going to butcher this, Réseau Femme du Sud-Ouest de l'Ontario. Okay, right. I'm trying. Uh, L'Association Culturelle Burundo-Canadienne de London and the Canadian Youth Climate Coalition. As a councillor, Ariel, you sit on the Community and Protective Services Committee, the Corporate Services Committee and the Strategic Priorities and Policy Committee. Balancing her roles as a single mother, city councillor, community activist and passionate city builder, Ariel's story is one of breaking barriers, overcoming adversity, and defying expectations. She is a shining example of a new type of political and community leader, progressive, unapologetic, and committed to representing marginalized voices in her community. So much greatness. So, Ariel, from that list of accomplishments, what are you most proud of? Oh, um, that's a, that's always a tough question when people ask me what I'm most proud of, because I, I naturally gravitate to saying, because I'm a mom, I'm proud of being a mom. But uh, in my accomplishments, I think I'm just happy that most people feel like they can relate to me, to my path, to my story, and that it's not it's not one of those boss babe stories where, you know, went from zero to 100 <laughs> without like actually detailing how you got there. I think I'm uh, I'm a working woman like every person here in London and in Ontario and Canada in general. I'm a single mom. I'm, I was a student. Uh, 
I'm I'm a person who speaks on day-to-day issues um, that resonate in, in our people's lives. I'm proud of that. That's amazing. Ariel, you and I were both completing our Bachelor of Arts in Political Science at Carlton at mm-hmm. the same time. Whoop, whoop, Carlton. Yes. <laughs> and I would say I would say that Carlton University basically changed my life. Mm-hmm. And we know that you entered local government as part of the, the mentorship program at London City Hall before running a successful campaign to become a city councillor. So do you credit your Carlton education or the City of London program with your interest in running for office? If not, where did that come from? And how would you say you kind of got into politics from an access perspective? All right. So I love Carlton. Um, I honestly think that because I started at York originally, I started at York University and then they striked and I was like, I'm not going to stay stay if they keep striking. You know, the striking thing was a little too much. Uh, And Carlton for me was the best school just because I I got connected to a lot of people that I would have never connected to. Um, I met a lot of uh, Africans, which prompted me to like, you know, kind of get connected to my roots at that time. Um, and Carlton was, it felt like a really safe environment, uh, given that York was too big for me and York was too large and it felt like I was in a movie at York. Um, but yeah, I love Carlton. I wouldn't credit Carlton. I, d- I do credit actually because I did political science there, but that was not where it sparked my interest. Cause when I was at Carlton, I was a mom to a really small child that I was just focused on getting out of school. Um, I would say um, my interest came once I was out of school and working. Um, I got my first connection to a political role when I got hired by the Liberal Research Bureau at the Hill. And yeah, while I was there, I learned a lot about policy and then also realized that I was more connected to local issues than I was connected to federal issues at that time. And I just felt like I wanted to kind of find myself um, in, in, in policy. I didn't want to just be part of the political system just to be part of it and, and do the circles around. Um, I wanted to bring impact and I wanted to find out how instead of me implementing some of these policies that I was not necessarily always in agreement with, how can I be at the table where these decisions are being made? And that's what prompted me to go back to school and figure that out. And I ended up with this program. I was very specific when I was trying to get back to school and uh, I met a really great man who was like, listen, I got the right course for you. Take it. Let me know what you think at the end of it. And I mean, I didn't get to connect with him again, but what I would have told him would have been I'm running because <laughs> I finished the program um, and I ran. Yeah. And the rest is history. The rest is history. So it's amazing how, you know, one course, one person can effectively change your your trajectory. I mean, for me, as an example, because of high school, is where the interest in politics started because my high school in my last year offered a politics course and I knocked it out of the park. Hmm. Had no care for politics before that. And now look, here I am. So now for a more personal question. Last year, we saw Black Lives Matter protests take place all over the world. As a politician, I think we know how you feel about these movements as you've been very supportive Mm -hmm. of them. But on a more personal level, I'm sure you can relate to the movement as a black woman and as a black mother. Mm-hmm. What does this movement mean to you? And, and what do you think it means to your son? What kind of conversations, if any, did that prompt in your household? Yeah. So those were really tough conversations um, that I think as a mom, I wasn't prepared to have. Um, 
obviously there are the basic conversations that we have as Black parents to let our children know how to stay safe out there in the world. But I think that my son dug a little deeper um, during that time because uh, it was we had to turn off the TV at some point because he was crying all the time. <laughs> it was uh, it was a lot. It was a lot on oh. his mental health, and um, I wanted to stay connected to what was happening and keep following every step of the news. But it was like I had to hide to do that. I couldn't listen listen to anything around him because it was very triggering. And he asked me questions that angered me. Um, questions that. I felt like it was unfair for me to have to answer those questions and I had no answers, you know, and I had to, while I'm trying to do the activism work and advocacy and trying to figure out, you know, policies, how we can reform our policies to include Black people, I was also trying to learn how to have these discussions with children his age. I was Googling, like, what is the appropriate thing to say? I was contacting people, like, to to find a way. What are you saying to your children, right? Because he was asking very deep questions, such as, so does that mean that, you know, everybody hates us? And it's like, no, um, not everybody hates us. Then why are they killing us? And I'm like, it's a system. Like, I don't understand. How can a system... How is it a system if it's a person who's specifically doing that? And it's it, it, they're hard conversations to have with a child. And you have to be cognizant of what they, because they're sponges, mm-hmm. right? Everything that's happening, everything you say, they store that in their brain. And you don't know when and how it's going to come out. So um, I felt like it was a lot of work to sit down and, and have very sound conversations with my son about, the system versus people <laughs> and also knowing that he still has to, to to participate in this world i wanted him to be safe to keep love and to keep um hope you know because there's a lot of despair moments um in that uh, in that moment so i don't want to raise a child who's hopeless i don't want to raise a child who um feels like the world is against him because that will impact his his mental well-being in the future so it was tough it was tough having to to balance all of that and and then dealing with what was really happening and trying to figure out which policies would be effective in that moment and 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 dealing with you know supporting everybody it was a lot but i think the conversations need to continue to be had specifically in non-Black families um, so that we don't have to keep taking on the burden of educating our children. Absolutely. Not educating because we still have to educate, but not, you know, you know what I mean? Like having those very tough conversations with your child, having to teach them about love, but also understanding, you know, what they represent this to the society and, and explaining to them that, you know, and my son's really tall. He's 11 years old and he's my height. So that's a fear that I live with every day. And I have to figure out a way to teach him about the fact that he's a big, a bigger black kid compared to other kids his age um, and what that means and how he has to behave and why he has to do that. You know, it's it, these are tough conversations to have for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can even think of conversations I had with just friends and acquaintances and how hard that was. And so having one with your child must be 10 times harder. Um, I, I do want to commend you for ensuring that your child is also hopeful for the future, as opposed to just making sure he's woke. 
because as you said, it's important to, if, if you're not hopeful, that negatively impacts your mental health. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So we know that you live and work in London, Ontario, a place we would consider to be a small to medium-sized municipality with a population of about half a million people. You are also both the youngest and the first Black city councillor in that city. What kind of baggage does that come with? Mm -hmm. Um, Love that question. Also, please don't put small next to London. (laughs) We are a mid-sized city, a growing... We 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 are more than capable and we have a lot to offer and we're growing. A lot of people from Toronto are moving to London. So watch out Toronto. We're taking half of your population. <laughs> but um yes, <yeah>, so <laughs> um I think um it's anyone can tell you that being in the position of being the first is literally the hardest thing ever. Um, I remember when I first got elected, uh, a woman that I admire a lot, uh, who's in politics, actually who connected me to politics altogether without even her knowledge. Um, she sent me a message and she said, wow, you broke the glass ceiling. And that was probably like the first time I heard that expression. Uh, and I, now I realize it's an expression that's used everywhere and all the time, but it stood out to me, um, like in the midst of thousands messages I was getting and I I read that and I was like actually no I feel like I want to correct her (laughs) it is not a glass ceiling that was a concrete wall that I had to chip and I don't think I fully chipped it so I we have to keep chipping at it and then I heard Selena uh Selena who was the um who was the MP for Whitby Selena um Cesar Chavanis and she yes and she said you know when you're the first you're breaking through the glass ceiling like it's going to cut you, you know, it's going to cut you and you're going to bleed because you, you broke through that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's perfect. That's literally the depiction of what I go through um, as the first, also as the youngest person on council. It has been, it has been an honor. It has been a lot of work. It has been a lot of pressure. And I have had to be, to go through things that perhaps in the future, other women of color and black women will not go through, but I went through them and it was tough. And I wish I knew how much I was going to (laughs) bleed before I broke that class. And, um, and just also the burden of feeling like you have to almost be perfect so that it doesn't close the door for everyone that you've opened the door for. Yeah. And feeling that pressure of knowing that, one day a young black woman is going to be judged based on your 
choices and who you are as a person, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to carry. And But at the same time, we the door is open now. And I want to be in that space and hold that door open for others to, to come in. So, And I think I loved what Kamala Harris said. I'm the first, but not the last. I am the first. I don't want to be the last. And I don't want to be at the table alone. So please come on on to the table because it sucks to be there alone. Say it louder for the people in the back. (laughs) You know, personally, medium-sized cities, I was going to say small, but medium-sized cities (laughs) scare me. (laughs) I, I really enjoy anonymity and... You know, my fears about small or about, sorry, about medium cities, <laughs> my fear about medium sized cities <laughs> were confirmed when in November I, I read about an incident where one of your constituents had been harassing you for months. Harassment is generally uh. underreported in our community. And so often we as Black women um, let this behavior um, slide or or we we don't want to ruffle any feathers by reporting the incident or we're not believed uh-huh. not to mention that we don't always have the best relationship with police we're not sure how much uh-huh. you can say about this incident but we do want to know we at the drip if you and your family are okay and if all has been rectified with that situation yeah and just to clarify he wasn't my resident he's a resident in london altogether but he was not specifically my resident and um okay uh, he was unknown to me. Uh, I don't know him very well. Uh, he knows me a lot more than I know him because I've only encountered him once and I would have never, I, I can't even tell you right now if I walked down the street, if I would recognize him. So um, it, it is still a matter that's still in the court. So I can't really comment much on it. Um, but it was a uh, the one thing that you just mentioned, the, you know, the relationships that we may have with the police, I think it's something that we grow up with. We underuse the, the, the system as well because it's not something that we are, we've always been comfortable or history will show that it's not always been the most effective way for us to to feel safe or to get justice. Um, mm-hmm. I, I took way too long to address this specific situation and it ended up just getting bigger and bigger. And it wasn't until I had a small conversation with someone where I mentioned it and that I first even thought about, oh yeah, you can get help for that. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about it. I just thought like this was just my my cards that I've been dealt and I just have to, 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 to sh- keep shuffling them. And But when the threats became larger than they were supposed to be, when I, you know, wanted to show up at my house that's when I knew I I put my family in danger and I, I needed to act very quickly but we are safe um we are cautious but we are very safe and we are much better this year than we were last year um it was uh it was it was an intense situation and I just cannot believe that as black people we have been conditioned to accept a lot of bs and we don't necessarily always take the first step to to deal with it. I think for me, I was so busy with my work and busy with everything that was happening that I was like, this is a small problem that was actually growing and getting bigger. And it took me a long time to realize how big it was. But we're safe. Thank, thank you for asking how we're doing. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're we're really glad to know that your family's okay. Uh, it's I I can't imagine like and you know both Curtis and I you know have have thought about entering politics and, and maybe both of us will will one day enter politics. But hearing that is is terrifying uh, to to me and and I'm sure it is to anyone who's a political hopeful um, because it's, uh, it's it's not fair. Not at all. But the more of us, the less we bleed. Yeah, you know what I mean. The less we have to go through the cuts of the the, the the glass ceiling. That's right. And when we say, you know, it's it's you said earlier, it's pretty lonely here. I said, say it for the people in the back. It we, is. We got to have more folks here with us. <laughs> yes, that's how things change. Yes, and I want to emphasize on that because a lot of times, even politicians, we don't share these stories because out of fear of not having mm. more people who are going to join us. But um, these are the realities of who we are. And whether you're experiencing it from a political system or not, or being a public figure, I'm sure you also experience racism in, in general in Canada. But the more you, you know, you stand up for yourself and you are in these spaces and people can see you, the more of us, the less the less we become specific targets, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I'd love to see five black people on council sitting with me. So it, the, when the threat comes, we are five walls that are going to, you know, stand there and, and it becomes too small. The threat becomes really small when there's more of us. For sure. Well, uh, today we've highlighted you as a black politician in Ontario, and we hope we've given you your flowers. You do outstanding work, and London is absolutely better off with you as one of its policymakers. Now what we want you to do is give someone else their flowers. We're calling this the Stacey Abrams moment. So is there a Black person Uh you've worked with who has supported you and made things happen for you that you want to recognize? Absolutely. There's so many. Um, I don't even know where to start, but I'm going to start with Operation Black Vote. Uh, Operation Black Vote was uh, an organ is an organization that supports Black uh, politicians, uh, all the folks over there. So think of all the names on the board. Vilma Morgan, uh, who is the chair of the organization, um, they were so supportive from when we connected to now. Um, they've continued to be supportive, not to just me, but to a lot of people. They have uh, a program right now, a, fo- a fellowship program that brings in youth, um, younger people to policy. Basically, they can they get to see all of the things about policy and they choose which area they want to focus on. So I've had even um, mentees who have come on my team and supported my team Um so, yeah, Operation Black Vote, Vilma Morgan, uh, they do so much work for Black politicians. Um, they go out of their way to figure out who we are, to even have build those relationships with us so that when the support is coming, it's specifically tailored to you. They're, it's it's a Toronto-based, well, they're based in Toronto, but they are working across the entire country. Um, and I was just happy to have them uh, for a long time, and I still have that relationship. But I'm in London. There's not a lot of organizations that support Black politicians in London. So having them support me and the connections that they've made for me, uh, I met a lot of people through the organizations who have been a strong support system for me. So I want to give the flowers to Velma Morgan and Operation Black Vote and the entire team. <laughs> 
<laughs> so thank you so much for that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I concur. Velma is a solid person and I see her even now supporting black candidates of all parties in Ontario coming up to the 2022 election. So that was very fitting. Because of length, we thought we'd separate Councillor Kayabaga's interview from the rest of the discussion. To hear Ariel's thoughts on Canadian news and Black issues, listen to episode 39. You'll be glad you did. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. We now have our own Instagram page dedicated to the podcast. Follow us at The Drip To You. Black people, we hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Stephen Fissett, who graciously provided artwork for this podcast. If you like what you see, you can find him on Instagram at Scarborough Debutante. That's Scarborough, D-E-B-U-T-A-N-T-E, for all your graphic design needs. See y'all next time. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.